Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us, I believe he's down at Bass Pro Shops, Mr. Nate Zielinski. Did you like me including you in those legends, Nate? I did. I felt very, very honored to be a part of that. I don't know if I'm, if I'm quite there, but uh, I like you saying it anyway. Well, you know, I, I, I think about it, and in all honesty, because I always tease you so much, I want to be serious. We, we do a lot of talking because we get some of the pioneers, you know, uh, Dave Gens was on today. Brian Brosdahl was on last week. Steve Panaz and Greg Clausio will be on. We get Doug Stangy on, talk ice fishing. But we have some pretty competent and accomplished ice fishermen right here in Colorado, including yourself. Brad Peterson does pretty well. Ronnie Castelloni. We've got some, some pretty good guys that know their way around on the ice. And I don't think people understand how effective fishing can be through the ice with just a few pointers. Well, absolutely, Terry. I think it's, uh, you know, we always talk about why ice fishing is growing so much. I mean, obviously, it's gotten a lot more comfortable with the gear that's available now. And the biggest thing is the the price point of the entrance to the sport. Um, You know, we keep talking about how the boat market, you know, you can really get a you can get a lot of stuff in the boat market that, you know, prices out a lot of anglers. As opposed to the ice fishing market, it's all fair game. Whether you literally have a spud bar and a $5 combo rod and reel, or you have all the ice fishing gear out there, we're all fishing the same area. The boat doesn't help you. The gear doesn't necessarily put you at a a very big, different advantage. We're all fishing the same water. Um, And really the biggest thing about ice fishing is it forces anglers to fish spot on the spot, as opposed to open water on your boat to where anglers miss they're making the right cast, and their boat control is not quite right. They're, they're, or, or if somebody, or if somebody fronts in them, front ends them where they can't make the right exactly. cast. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you bring it on the ice, and it forces guys to number one have the right spot, and it almost forces you to have better control of your presentation. I mean, obviously, any time that you're vertical, um, it helps out. You know, making the most of everything, opposed to making long casts and dealing with wind and elements and everything else. So, uh, I mean, there's a huge reason why the, the ice fishing sport's growing so much and uh yeah i'm excited to be a part of it you know we, we started the first ice fishing school uh out here in colorado we're doing our tournament series and uh yeah we're i'd say we're uh, as involved in the ice fishing industry as you can be um and it's neat to see the change I and mean, obviously again you know, not not saying anything about age but i i've been ice fishing since i was a little kid but i i'm younger than some of the guys been in the sport but even since i've been in it it's unbelievable to see the growth and the changes and the popularity. Um, you know, back in the day, people thought you were crazy, and now um, I mean, it's just blown up. It's really neat to see. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, it is really tremendous. By the way, um, I, just, I want to get back because I know we, we we're going to talk ice fishing as we go on the next few weeks, you and I, and uh, there's so, it's going to really start kicking off here. But I also know you're out at Bass Pro Stops, uh, Pro Shops. And I think you guys today, if I'm not mistaken, and you can correct me, aren't you doing seminars about picking a species and how to how to approach it during the year? Is that what you're doing? Do I, do I get that well, right? Yeah, we, we have a lot of cool stuff going on. So right now, Matt Inley is actually doing a seminar. I'm in the store right now staring at him. Uh, he's doing a kind of a, an all 
ice seminars. We're talking about multi-species, getting into the sport, selecting the right tackle. Um, and then at 11 o'clock, Will Dykstra goes on stage. He'll be on a seminar. And his main focus during his seminar is going to be using bigger baits and really crossing over your open water summer tackle into ice. There's so many people that don't realize how much gear can be used. You know, or you're using tube jigs and big baits right now, and the lake freezes in a week, and instantly think we have to switch and, and downsize our gear. So he's going to be talking about carrying over some of that summer tackle uh, to catch bigger fish through the ice. So excited about that. And then at noon is when I'm going to be speaking. I'm going noon to one. I'm doing kind of a seminar I've never done before. I'm picking four species. So I'm doing walleye, lake trout, pike, and big rainbows. And I'm doing 15 minutes on each of those fish. And I, I tell everybody this is the no-fluff seminar. Not that we ever, you know, build fluff into our seminars, but this is the nitty-gritty. This is more of the you want to have a successful walleye trip. Here's where you go. Here's the bait you're going to use, and here's how you're going to do it. Um, you know, usually I, I'm so much about the education, and I want anglers to figure it out themselves. Um, you know, to, to, to build that education so they can create that success all the time. Uh, but this seminar is going to be, hey, here's where you go. Here's how you do it. Um, it's going to be an instant success type uh, type seminar. So we encourage everybody to come down. You know, come down here now, catch the back end of math, catch Wills at 11, and then I'll be on at noon to 1. And then at 1 to 1.30 or so, we're going to be doing uh, like a, a panel, a Q&A. All of us are going to be up here. Anglers can ask us specific questions, uh, and we can dial you in. So, again, we're all here. We're walking the floor. You have questions about gear. We're happy to walk you through it. We can show you what we use. We can show you why we use it, um, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the whole team is down here at Bass Pro Denver, and, uh, yeah, we'd love to talk ice fishing with you. Oh, and I know you want to kind of give a few highlights about some of the things that people might hear. Where do you want to take us today? You know, Jay, we can talk about all that. You know, right now I think we're at a, a really – an exciting spot on the ice. Some of the smaller lakes have ice. Guys are fishing. We had ice in a lot of the big bodies of water, and the wind kind of shredded it off. Um, so either way, there's a lot of anticipation building and things going into it. Um, and we can start off with the rainbows. So that's probably one of the first species that everybody's going to be hitting hard. Um, you know, your smaller bodies of water, and the hills are frozen, and guys are catching big rainbows. Um, and obviously, as it's getting a little colder here in the next couple of weeks, most of our bigger reservoirs are going to start freezing for those for those trout up in the high country. So talking about that, um, you know, in the in the point of the seminar is going to be number one location. Obviously, like we talked about a minute ago, location is everything. You know, when you take a cast from shore, you're casting 70, 80 feet, 100 feet, and you're covering that water, and it helps you find the fish as opposed to ice. You literally have to be dialed in. So the number one thing we're going to talk about with the trout thing is location. Um, and with that being said, we have to promote anglers not being lazy. And I hate to say that. I don't. Everybody gets mad at me. But so many of us drill a hole drop down a, a you know a graph or a flask or drop down bait and we're just hey this is where we're going to camp out this is where we're going to call home as opposed to really being right on the spot whether you're looking for a weed line or you're looking for an underwater point or you're looking for some sort of contour change really i tell people hey it's easier to drill 10 holes to find the exact spot and catch a ton of fish and have a great day opposed to drilling two or three holes and having a mediocre day so we're going to talk about the location keys and how again with today's augers out there, get yourself an auger, have sharp blades. It's easy to drill holes and really take that, that extra step to find that exact spot. And we're going to walk everybody through the exact locations of early ice, mid ice, spring ice. We're going to talk about the levels of the fish swimming in the water column um, and how to approach those fish throughout the season. Then we're also going to talk about using bigger baits, kind of the highlights of Will's seminar. But again, you look at Antero right now, there's a lot of open water. I am going there and today 
you know, tomorrow and I'm swimming those three, three and a half inch tube jigs, swimming big hair jigs, fishing spoons that are three inches big. And we're pounding fish. I mean, we're literally catching a ton of fish. But yet if that froze tomorrow, the mentality of me as the angler would go out there with an inch and a half tube jigs. It's just what we do as ice anglers. We tend to downsize. The rods are smaller, the lines lighter, our baits are smaller, which is fine. The fish still hit them. But if you go out there with that bigger profile and all of a sudden you force yourself, hey, I'm going to go try this three-inch tube, you don't realize how much more of an impact and a visibility that bait puts out there to those fish to where, you know, that small, natural-colored, you know, inch-and-a-half tube, jig, those fish see that from, say, 10, 15 feet away. All of a sudden you're fishing that white tube that's three-and-a-half inches. Those fish see that double the distance. So I draw more fish in. I create a reactionary-type strike, and I catch more fish. Now, all of a sudden, we have snow on the ice, and it's January. We, the downsizing is probably the, the way to go. But right now, there's a ton of options. The fish are still warm. Everything is, is at that peak for energy. Um, and fishing those bigger baits is going to catch you more and bigger fish at the end of the day. It's also going to draw a lot more fish in. So a lot of little highlights like that per species. So we're, again, talking about the highlights for, for big lake trout. I think uh, here in Colorado, if you're not a lake trout fisherman, I don't think people realize the opportunities that we have here in Colorado. Everybody I talk to goes to the Flaming Gorge or they go to the Northwest Territories. Everybody leaves to look for giant lake trout. And when everybody comes home, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to know the sheer big fish. I don't know if we can compete with numbers, but I want to know the biggest lake trout you caught. And generally speaking, year to year, we catch bigger lake trout in Colorado than a lot of people do spending thousands of dollars traveling out of our state. So we're going to talk about how every angler down here can create that success through the ice. You know, whether you're hitting Jefferson's or Williams Forks, Grambys, Grand Lakes, Blue Mesa, all those type fisheries, we're going to walk you through the exact steps that you need to find those big fish and then catch those big fish. We're going to talk about less pressured fish, and then we're going to talk about highly pressured fish and kind of how we approach both of those, different colors, different baits, things like that. Well, you know, I, I, I got to add a couple points. As you know, I, I did 22 seasons of television. One of my shows was a travel show, and I, lake, I went lake trout fishing at the Arctic Circle, and I went lake trout fishing in uh, northern Manitoba and in northern Saskatchewan, and Although on those shows we caught some big lake trout, I mean some arm huggers, my probably biggest lake trout on those shows, and we'd catch one almost every show, was in that 20-pound range. My biggest lake trout in Colorado is bigger than that. I mean, it almost always ends up being that way. I mean, I'm not making funny other places, but they do have huge fish. I have a I have a guest that comes on guided trips with us. He comes on about eight trips a year, so he's a very frequent customer of ours, good friend. Um, and he's been to Athabasca, uh, Lake Athabasca, multiple times, and that's where the world record fish is out of that, like 126 pound lake trout. So it literally, by the book, by data, is the best lake trout fishery in the world. But again, just because they're in there doesn't necessarily mean you catch them. He's been on multiple trips to Athabasca and around the world chasing lake trout. His biggest fish outside of Colorado um, is right there at that, like, 36, 38 pounds. It's a huge lake trout. His biggest fish to date is an absolute giant, and it's a 46-pound fish on a scale that came here in Colorado on a guided trip with us. Um, Again, not saying you're going to catch those fish often, but we have opportunity that is unbelievable. And if people that travel and they go fishing for a week in other places, if you spend a week in Colorado hitting our prime fisheries, 
you're going to have the opportunities that you have at other places. And again, right here at Bass Pro today, we're going to walk you through those opportunities. And I think a lot of there's a lot of misconceptions on the lake trout thing. And again, whether it's because of the writing or you know the TV shows or this or that, but our big fish have a different food source than most places in the country. So our fish, number one, are shallower. Number two, get more pressure. Um, so there's a lot of little things. Most lake trout anglers are close with their concepts of targeting these fish, they're just off by a little bit. And we're going to walk people through where they're off, teach them about the depth differences, teach them about the line differences, teach them about the baits that they should or shouldn't use, uh, talk about tipping, not tipping, all of that type stuff that is normally going to be the thing that, that's hurting them from their catch rate. And we're going to cross that over and make them and teach them how to create that success on those big fish. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Before I let you go, I want to go back to one thing you said about the rainbows too. <laughs> And that's the fact, you know, depth is so key. Early in the season, on most trout, uh, lake trout, anything, but rainbows for sure, people fish too deep, Nate. Well, hundred percent. We talk about this every show, and again, it doesn't. You, you go to Ontario, you go to Love Mile, it's like freeze, and instantly you see guys deep. And I think the thing is, we always talk about too deep, but people don't realize. And they go to ten feet of water in Ontario, and they're like, "Man, it's ten foot. I'm shallow." When in reality, shallow is two feet, three feet. Um, you know, so shallow water, especially early in the year, holds big fish, and it holds a lot of fish. And the biggest thing about those big fish is they're very aggressive in that shallow water. So, you know, if, if we're talking early ice, very rarely am I deeper than five, six feet. It's just what it is. Almost all my fish are in that three to six foot range, and you catch a lot of them. The other big thing I'm going to talk about here real quick, when you talk about going shallow, Everybody, let's say you finally talk a guy into going to five feet of water, the average ice fisherman drops that jig down, and their jig's sitting six, eight inches off bottom. Because that's what they think they have to do. I can't tell you how many fish I catch where I'm in five feet of water, and my jig is down a foot and a half, two feet below the ice. Everybody's like, man, it's right there. I can see it. But all of a sudden, by having that bait higher, those fish see it. When you're right near the bottom, you have no idea what your surrounding area is. You might have a straight of weeds blocking your jig. Or just in general, those fish might not be looking down. Their eyes are on top of their head. Have that bait high, suspended. Everything in the area sees it, and you catch more fish. So shallow water suspended fishing, things like that are going to get you a lot more fish uh, in this early ice time period like we're going to have right now. Nate, we are out of time, but you and your guys will be down at Bass Pro the rest of the day or at least till how late? Yep, you know, we'll, we'll probably be hanging on here till 2, 3 o'clock. So, yeah, we'd love to have you. Again, Will Dykes on at 11. Uh, I'm here at noon speaking, and we have a uh, the, the whole panel of us talking, I believe, at 1. So, uh, yeah, come by, stop in today. We'd love to, to educate and get you down on ice. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great seminar. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zielinski, always great. We're going to change topics and talk fly fishing when we come back on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We will uh, go right to the phones, and joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Tony. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having us. Well, thanks for coming back on. Um, you guys have a great event coming up uh, towards the end of this week that we're going to get to in a minute. But before we do that, I'm looking outside, and I know that later on in the show we're going to talk a little river fishing too, but people put those long rods away and start fl- tying flies way too early, don't they? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. There's still a lot of good fishing to be had. Um, obviously, those fish, fish still need to eat throughout the winter months. And even though you got to switch up your tactics a little bit, 
Um, maybe get a little smaller in some of your bug choices, um, as well as um, smalling um, that tippet gauge size a little bit too. Fishing that 5, 6, and 7X pretty thoroughly through the winter months and really focus on those smaller bugs. You know, typically this time of year, you're going to have a lot of midges be the primary food source for those trout. Um, and you're still going to be seeing some blue winged dollops in, um, you know, the South Platte, um, as well as some sections of the Blue River. Um, and you're still going to be seeing um, some cast larvae in those systems as well. So kind of, you know, making it simple and switching between the midges, um, the betas nymphs, and the caddis larvae, uh, I think gives you an excellent shot to catch some fish, um, you know, while winter's still just about, uh, just about here. Well, you know, even during the winter, some of my biggest, uh, best days, like on the Big Thompson, which is in theory a tailwater, it, it has some in and out tributaries, but comes down from Lake Estes. And, of course, we have these tailwaters in Colorado that push that 40-degree water out all, all winter long. But I've had days when it was 20 below, and then next weekend warmed up to, like, 35, and the fish were so bunched up in a pool that I could stand a uh, down from them, cast up into the head of them in that pool across, and I could take fish after fish out of one pool without moving, and I wouldn't even spook them because there were so many fish gathered in one spot. Do you run into that very often? Yes, sir. You know, Terry, that's a great point. Um, a lot of those fish this time of year will consolidate to those real primary runs, um, you know, primarily for food source and, you know, obviously for deeper water, for a little safety, and you could definitely find different sections with a good numbers of fish and once you got those bugs dialed in you know just like you were saying doing a couple real sleek drifts can really make some uh for some great fishing and some high numbers um you know some people think you know winter time you know things can be a little um you know more lackadaisical and those fish definitely are a little more um conserving that energy however they still got to eat like you were saying if you can you know put some time in and find a good spot you can have a great afternoon or a great evening um, you know, and still have some great fishing um, before, uh, like I said, winter really sets in. Now, I want to get to your event. Before we do, it's supposed to be nice today and tomorrow. The Broncos play early. If you were headed out today or tomorrow, one local and one maybe a little bit more of a drive, where would you personally go? You know, I think right now Cheeseman um, Canyon just had some flows bump. So fishing that Cheeseman Deckers area I think would be wonderful. Um, flows are holding it right around 86 cubic feet per second. Um, and like I said, fishing small midges, small betas, and some caddis larvae. And even an occasional egg. You're still kind of seeing some fish maybe just getting done with spawning, but still a lot of eggs in that system, especially with the flow raise. Some eggs kind of getting jostled around, some fish eating on that for a good protein. And then if you're going to a little further, I think the Colorado River, kind of all sections of it have been fishing pretty darn well. Um, one pattern in particular that we've been hearing and also having success on our trips has been a buckskin caddis. Um, just fishing a caddis larva variation, and that's really been producing some great fish up there in the Colorado. That's awesome. And, of course, as always, whether they want a guided trip or just information, people can get a hold of you guys at the Blue Quill Angler. But if they want to stop by your store, now anytime's a great time to stop by the Blue Quill Angler, but you guys have an event coming up after Thanksgiving. I think you're calling it um, Black Fly Day on Friday, and then you have an Author's Day on Saturday. Tell me about this event. Yeah, that's correct. We're having a, a kind of a big event for us here um, this next coming weekend, Friday and Saturday, and we're going to be doing, obviously, a Black Friday, um, and our kind of theme is it is Fly Day. It's going to be all fly fishing apparel and gear. Um, we'll be having a great sale, having a tent outside our shop up here in Evergreen. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to call the shop. We'd be happy to provide some more information for you. 
And then the following Saturday, we're going to also continue that kind of sales tent event. Great time to holiday shop, as well as we're going to be having an author signing event. So we're going to have nine authors at our store that day. We're going to be kind of having them set up for signing books. Um, you'll be having some snacks and some drinks out, you know, as well as having that sale going on. And again, that'll be Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. here now, at the Blue Quill Angler. Now, if I stop by Saturday, who are some of the authors I get to rub elbows and talk to? Yeah, there'll be a whole group of guys. I believe we have nine authors that day. And some of them, um, actually, I'll go through all nine. We'll have Pat Dorsey, John Gearock, Steve Parrott, Landon Mayer, Bob Dye, Ed Ingle. Rick Takahashi, and Tim Jacobs, and Marty Bartholomew. And so those guys will all be there with their books. They'll be signing, answering questions, whether it be on fishing tactics, tie-in, or, you know, maybe simply just having a good conversation uh, with some friends. So it should be a great event up here, and we look forward to seeing everyone if they can make it. Well, you know, the book thing, I want to get a dwell on that a little bit because one of my favorite things to give to people and I know almost every one of those authors. I've got signed books by them. They're friends. They're some of the stalwarts of the outdoor, the fly fishing industry and writers. Mm-hmm. And if you can get a book, so let's just say I have a friend who's a fly fisherman and he loves John Garrick. Well, if I can, if John's there, I take one of John's books. I tell him who I'm giving it to and John personalizes it for that person. Yeah, what an incredible yeah. Christmas gift that is. It really is. You know, a lot of people take advantage of it. Um, we get quite a few different people that come in and, you know, never have uh, maybe met that person or, you know, put a face to the actual person in the book. And, you know, it's really cool to hear their story about, you know, how they learned a certain pattern or this particular technique really helped them up in the, you know, in Cheeseman Canyon. And they're really able to kind of fine tune their tactics. Um, it's a great time to ask questions about the book, get personalizations, great gifts, um, and just meet these guys. They're all really good guys, excellent fishermen, as you were saying, really stewards of the industry. And, um, well-known, and it's uh, it's a fun day to just kind of pick their brain and, and meet them and enjoy a good time up here uh, at the Blue Quill. Now, the the last thing is tell me again some of the types of sales you're going to have in the store in a huge tent, and without you even saying it, I'm sure that there's you know new models of rods and waders and stuff, so you close out the older models, even though they're brand-new, top-of-the-line gear. There's probably, I don't know if you have guide gear that you sell out. What do you What can I find in this tent sale? Yeah, so, you know, without getting into too specifics, it might go through a lot, but we'll have a tremendous amount of products on sale, a lot of apparel, a lot of apparel that, like I said, is brand new, however, is discounted, uh, maybe a deeper rate just due to maybe a new color came out in that particular shirt, um, or maybe a new bag design. So we'll be having Fish Pond, um, I believe Sims, um, Patagonia, all various apparel will be on sale, um, as well as, like I said, gear bags and some different things of that nature. Obviously, all the author's books will be there. Um, but we'll be having kind of a little bit of everything for that event. So it should be a great holiday shopping day for people, as well as that angler uh, maybe looking for that missing piece of gear in their kind of repertoire. We should be able to uh, meet those needs for anyone, you know, uh, that uh, this coming weekend. So yeah, it should be a great yeah. time. And avoid the malls. Spend Black Fly right. Day at the Blue Quill instead of Black Friday at the mall. And then Saturday, come in and see the sale again in the authors. And we got to run, but if people want more information, is it on the website? Yes, Sarah. We'll have a great uh, information. All of our authors, all of our uh, stream flows, in case you're still trying to fish, and as well as all the event information. Um, feel free to visit the website. Also, Blue Quill Angler. Um, on Facebook and Blue Quill Angler on Instagram. We'll be doing kind of uh, different promotional things throughout this week. Um, if you have any questions, like I said, feel free to call. Um, and our number is 
800-674-4700. All right, Tony, we got to run, but thank you so much for joining us. Terry, thank you. Have a great holiday season, my friend. You bet. Blue Quill. These are great people. If you're into fly fishing, just to go talk to them. Go up there on Friday and Saturday. Talk to these authors. See the stuff that's on sale. And talk to the guys that work there on a regular basis. They're the stalwarts of the fly fishing industry around here. We'll take a quick time out, and Brad Peterson's going to join us and tell us about the ducks and geese and so much more on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones. We're going to be joined by one of our favorite contributors, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Well, the first thing I want to touch on with you is the waterfall. You're kind of our resident waterfall expert. I, You know, I haven't been out, but I'm going to assume that the cooler weather up north and the still open water down here, that we're seeing an influx of migratory birds. What's happening out there? You know what, Terry? We're, we're sitting in a really good situation right now. Like you mentioned, the north has colder weather and they're getting snow. So we've started our northern bird influx. But we haven't had a lot of really cold weather. So we still have a lot of our mid-season migrators, gadwalls, wiggins. You know, I was out this morning with a couple people. And by 7.30, we had... You know, we were close to limiting out and called it. It was a mix of about uh, 40% gadwalls, 60% mallards, a really good flight happening. So it's a great time to get out for duck hunting. Remember, in the north e- or in the uh, central flyway zone and in the northeast region, it uh, it's going to close December 2nd. So if you're wanting to get out, uh, get out there here either this weekend or next weekend and get an opportunity to get into those birds. And besides the duck hunting, those people along the front range, today's opening season of the regular goose season. And I've heard a lot of good reports from guys that have been out. Lots of birds came in with that snowstorm, cold weather we had about three weeks ago. So the opportunities are out there to get on birds. Stuff hasn't frozen yet, so you can still get them on ponds, rivers, sloughs. Great time to be out chasing waterfowl. Now, if you uh, if you hunt with a guide like yourself or a few of our friends, there's a good number of guides out here for waterfall. Usually, you can uh, they you guys will arrange for access. But if you don't have that opportunity, there is some pretty good access provided by uh, public lands and parks and wildlife in Colorado, isn't there? They do. Um, I, I do want to give one heads up. Um, the state does have some great reservation properties. One of them. Um, I want to say it's uh, it's Mishawani. Uh, it's just east of Greeley on the river. And uh, that property has been closed because someone actually went down on a government, on a state property and baited the area. So they have shut that one down for an extended period of time. So don't look at that one. But some of the other spots for people to look at for reservations, public opportunity is Andrick is going to be good till it freezes up. Um, Centennial Valley, and then you can get out to Tamarack. But if you don't have time to call ahead, reservation starts two weeks ahead of the day you want to hunt. They open up, and there's an 800 number right in the brochure you can find. Um, there's a lot of other open spots that are just first come, first serve. So I've done good on Cottonwood, uh, Bob Elliott, uh, Red Lion, um, Boone Ridge. These are all properties along the South Platte River, basically from Fort Morgan to the state line. Um, 
Parks and Wildlife has done a phenomenal job providing opportunities for waterfowl hunters. And, of course, people can book a trip with a guide service like yourself. How would they book a trip with you, Brad? Um, With me, they can either call me at 303-829-3998 or, you know, reach out to me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors and, uh, you know, happy to line up a hunt. Um, I'm booked for the rest of this duck season, but uh, the later duck season, which reopens December 19th and runs through the end of January, I do have a lot of open dates in there. That's a great time for river hunting and you have opportunities for both ducks and geese along the river so it it should be good we're setting up for one of our better waterfowl seasons we've seen for a combination of both ducks and geese in probably five years that sounds awesome hey i want to take about two minutes because we're running kind of behind but i know you love open water fishing you're a tournament wild angler but you're also one of the most avid ice fishermen i know uh what's going on where's your attention right now my attention right now is going to be on the high lakes. The ice condition in those mid-range lakes is just a little iffy. Um, I got a report this morning from someone who was out at Dillon. Uh, Dillon has three to six inches of ice in the Snake River Cove there. They're catching some kokanees and a few trout in there. But be very careful. There's a lot of current in there, which, you know, can make ice go from six inches to unsafe in a very short amount of time there actually was someone that uh, fell in and luckily it was only in a i from what i hear in about three four feet of water so they were able to get out but they they did go through the ice this morning up there so as we always preach you know make sure bring a spud bar be extremely safe early ice you know keep checking it every few feet because it can go from being you know six inches to an inch and a half in 10, 15 feet. Take some time, be safe with that. But Dillon is one. Uh, Georgetown is is another one that I would look at. Joe Wright and uh, North Michigan, if you're up a little further north, up along the, the Poudre there, those bodies of water are pretty good. A lot of the South Park and North Park bodies of water had ice on them, and it got warm. The ice kind of went bad, and then we got a lot of wind, and it ripped a lot of that stuff off. So, Really target those really high lakes now. Our next cold snap, you should start seeing some of those other South Park, North Park lakes uh, getting spots that you're able to fish. And, boy, our front range lakes this year, we're primed. We're in a lot better shape uh, surface temperature-wise. So if we can get five, six days of real cold weather, you might be able to find some ice around here. But normally this area, it's right around that Christmas time to get out and fish you know, not just for trout, but for some of the panfish and walleye and some of the other species. Speaking of those species, one where we got about a minute at the most, we're running late, but um, I would think trout by shore and small lakes and ponds, if you do have open water, they should be just prolific, and you still do have a couple of weeks to get the boats out on the northern front range. Yep, the northern front range you have, most of the lakes are closing December 1st or December 2nd. So check with the local parks. Um, you know, Larimer County is a little different than state parks. So take a look there. Maybe a great opportunity to get out the next few warm days. And if not, like you said, the state is stocking a ton of trout in all these little ponds and stuff. You can get in there and catch trout. There's also bass and panfish to be caught right from the shore. All right, my friend, we've got to run, but thanks for that update. I'm sure we'll be talking to you again very soon. 
All right. Thanks a lot, Terry. Brad Peterson. Brad Peterson Outdoors, a great resource. We're going to take a quick time out, and we'll be joined by Ronnie Castiglione right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Take it to the limit. One of my favorite Eagles songs. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We're going right to the phones. Joining us, one of our favorite contributors, Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Mr. Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing okay. We, uh, Kyle and I were able to struggle through without Karen in studio today, and I don't think we screwed up too bad, but I'm sure she'll find something. Well, the show's not over yet, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mr. Castiglione, uh, my note here says... Uh, my note, which was prepared by Karen, by the way, people think that I do a lot of work here. It's all ready when I come in. When Even when she's not here, she does the work. Is that you want to talk about river fishing? Yeah, absolutely, Terry. You know, uh, I know right now people uh, listening listening to the show today and for the last three weeks are getting online or just looking around on Facebook. You know, people have ice on the brain right now, Terry, and everybody's, you know, itching to get up into the high mountains and, and, and get on some of that, 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 that new ice, that kind of a thing. But there's an excellent opportunity right now to get on the rivers, especially down low, Terry, especially down in, in town, you know, for example, right here in Fort Collins, the Poudre River runs right through the middle of town here. And the Poudre River through town is pretty much wide open right now. You know, there's very little ice on it anywhere. The flows might be real low, but there's still a lot of real nice pools. And there's a excellent opportunity right now to get out and target some trout right here in town terry well you know because that water's cooler too you know a lot of those fish will move into those areas where you might not find them in a 90 degree day in the summer but um how do you approach those ronnie do you conventional fish them do you fly fish them do you use a variety of techniques you know, a little bit of both, Terry. You know, it's an excellent opportunity right now to get out and approach them with conventional gear or with fly gear, you know. Um, one thing to note is that when you're fishing these low flows, you know, sometimes that makes that harder. Sometimes it makes it a lot easier to go about doing things, Terry. So, for example, if maybe you're new to fly fishing and you're you're looking to get out and, and fish the river for the first time or, or, you know, for the first few times, you know, down low right now because the flows are so low, these areas that are usually real broad, meadowy kind of runs right now that are real difficult to get at, that have a lot of trees and bushes in the back cast areas, you know, the areas when the water's high you might have to wade out into in order to have a, a clear area to get a back cast with a fly rod. Right now they're they're drawn down so low that you can get out and you can you can walk the banks on most of the areas in the rivers and you have an you know, not a lot of stuff that's going to be in your back cast. So you can get out there, you can get to these skinny little sections. Um, the other thing that happens right now is because the water is relatively low and, and it's getting into wintertime right here, these fish have definitely kind of, you know, pushed into the pools and the runs that are really left. And so I know I heard you earlier talking about finding concentration of fish in, in particular pools. That's a big deal right now. You can get out, you can cover some water, and you can find the pools that will be loaded up with a variety of fish. You know, there'll be brown trout, there'll be, you know, rainbow trout in there, maybe some cutthroats, that kind of a thing. They'll be kind of kind of concentrated. Now, one of the things that I look at this time of year, Terry, when I'm trying to kind of locate my fish on the rivers is I'm looking for choke points, Terry. I'm looking for those areas where maybe it's a 
spillway. Maybe it's some sort of a run. Maybe it's some sort of a, a real steep rapid. Something that keeps the fish from either migrating up the river or migrating down the river. Something that kind of chokes those fish into those areas, Terry. If you just run up and down the river and look for those particular spots, maybe above or below the spillways or above or below the real, real steep, real nasty rapids, a lot of times this time of year, as the water is dropping out of the rivers, you'll find fish really concentrated in those choke point areas, Terry. So that's kind of one of the things I've always looked at. Now, I want to talk about conventional gear, but before we do, the conventional wisdom for fly fishermen during this time of the year is to throw small baits like midges. Now, I do that, and I use some small droppers, and I will fish through those areas. But I'll sometimes throw a streamer or something a little bigger to get their attention. How do you approach them fly fishing in those warmer pools? Well, you know, I, I like your I like your second answer there, Terry, about about approaching it with streamers and things like that. I can't tell you how many times, Terry, especially down low in, in the middle of winter, that I run into people on the river, and I may be out there with conventional gear, so I'm approaching it with something like a two and a half or a three inch gold minnow, or or a two inch tube jig, or maybe a a two inch or a two and a half inch uh, floating rapala, something along those lines is is usually what I got tied on, and you know, inevitably I'm, I'm walking up and down the river and the Poudre River here in Fort Collins and, and you, you cross over some fly, fly guys or fly anglers that are going one direction and you're going the other direction and everybody kind of, you know, chit chats back and forth. How's it going? You've been catching any fish and, uh, you know, more often than not, my answer is, yeah, I've been doing really good on them and they look at me, Terry, and they see what's hanging off my line and, and they're astonished that I'm catching them on something so big. But the reality is, is yeah, you know, the bulk of their diet may be bugs this time of year. Some of those real tiny little, tiny little bugs that we get, some of those nymphs and things like that. Um, but I haven't met the trout yet, Terry, that will pass up the opportunity for an easy meal. And if something comes by that looks like a wounded little a wounded little trout or a wounded little sucker or a wounded little minnow of any sort, um, those trout will absolutely jump all over that presentation. There's no doubt about it. So, so for me, this time of year, more often than not, I'm going to have a jig tied on of some sort, probably that two-and-a-half-inch gulp minnow that we talked about on either a 16-ounce or an 8-ounce jig head. Um, a lot of times when the flow is really low, I get down to that 16-ounce, maybe even a 32nd-ounce. Um, if the flow is really, really low, Terry, then sometimes I may go to a split-shot rig with that presentation rather than a jig. So in that scenario, I'm just going to put that little gulp minnow on, the, on a tiny little straight shank hook and then run a split shot up the line, maybe 6 to 12 inches up the line like that, a real small, maybe BB-sized split shot, that sort of a thing. Um, that's kind of what I'm going to usually start out with, Terry. And then as I'm working my way up or down the river, um, when I come to some of the larger pools, some of the larger runs, that's when I'm going to go ahead and take the opportunity to maybe rotate through it a few different presentations while I'm fishing that particular pool. So, you know, my next choice might be a little tube jig at this time of year. I, I throw a lot of little crappie size, crappie style tube jigs for trout this time of year. Small little one and a half inch, one and three quarter inch, tiny little tube jigs, something, something shiny and sort of trout in appearance. So silvers and pinks and things like that tend to be the colors that I'm looking for. Um, that's probably going to be my second choice. And then if I get to a pool that looks like it's got a reasonable amount of water in it and it's got a pretty good, a pretty good flow coming through that pool, then that's when I'm going to rotate over and maybe try that floating Rapala this time of year as well and, and just kind of work that through the pool and see if I can't elicit any reaction strikes from those fish or, or just kind of target any of those hungrier fish. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely here to tell you that you don't have to go small all the time in the middle of winter. Certainly you may want to downsize a little bit, from, but from convincing, 
conventional gear, you can absolutely get those trout to bite in the middle of winter or, you know, late fall like this is um, on some larger presentations, Terry. All right. We got a minute left, Ronnie. If you weren't going to fish the, the river and uh, is there an open water bite right now, either a shore or a boat that you might take advantage of? Carrie, we've been absolutely hammering the fish up at Horsetooth for the last few weeks. Um, no doubt about it. Uh, Horsetooth is still open. It's going to be open this weekend. It's going to be open all week here. And then it's, uh, this next weekend is going to be the last uh, opportunity to get out on Horsetooth in a, in, a, in a large boat. But the bite has been outstanding on Horsetooth, especially for smallmouth. Uh, we've seen some big walleyes as well show up. You know, I caught one that was in that eight-pound range. It was a really, really nice-looking fish. Um, we're catching good numbers of, uh, of small deep like i mentioned uh it tends to be we're targeting them in that let's say 35 to 65 foot range and you know what i'll tell you is as we're getting later here in the year um these fish are kind of becoming more and more concentrated more and more schooled up so there's a lot of dead water out there on horse tooth right now so it's not really the time of year to get out there and just really cover the banks um, but what you want to do is you want to focus on particular areas and try to find a concentration of fish. So look at, uh, you know, on the backside of some of the points where they round off onto the, onto the gravel, those kind of areas like that. You know, corners of the dams have been real good. Some of the submerged humps has been real good. Really, any of the turns in the banks or any of the points that are on the main lake right now, Terry, any of those little irregularities, anywhere where the bank kind of makes a little indention or kind of curves in, there's fish out in front of all of those areas. Uh, the key has been just kind of running around, graphing those areas, and trying to find the ones on any given day where the bait fish have been pushed up to those areas. If we can find bait fish pushed up to any of those little points, any of those little rounded corners, any of those little drain areas, anything like that, if there's bait fish there, we're finding smallies and walleyes there, Terry. So that's kind of the key right now. All right, my friend, we're out of time. If people want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Fishfulthinker.com, you can get a hold of us there. You can get a hold of me, Ronnie Carasleoni, on Facebook, or you can find us, Fishful Thinker, on Facebook. Um, get a hold of us. We are starting to book for next year. All right, my friend. We will. We need uh, to fish soon. We will talk soon. Let's do it, Terry. Maybe we can get you out this week if you're not traveling the world. I am around this week for a change. We'll see what happens. Thank yeah, you, Ronnie. Let's do it, Terry. Let's get you out on the boat. All Have right. a good one, buddy. Thanks. Ronnie Castelloni with Fishful Thinker. It's going to wrap things up. Um, we're going to have... Uh, um, a college ho- a college hockey, college football coming up. We've got uh, follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. A lot of that stuff was filmed throughout the seasons right here in your backyard, and we've got 150 episodes up there. Watch some of those. You can just go to Comcast, go search Terry Wickstrom, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom on YouTube, and a whole bunch will come up. But join us every week here from uh, 9 to 11 on 104.3 The Fan. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and college football. Thanks, Kyle. We got through without Karen. I saw a show.